Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Now, if you've ever felt yourself feeling, I'm so flawed, and I'm not good enough, and oh my gosh, everything in life is so super complicated, and I know some of you are sitting there shaking your heads right now going, yep, yep, yep. Well, welcome to being a fucking human being, for crying out loud. This is what we're all about. We are very complicated, very unaccomplished. We are all those things, but then we're also very wonderful, very brilliant, very amazing human beings. And sometimes we don't see our amazingness until we do something that we're like, oh my God, I didn't think I could actually do that. And that is when we come out of the closets of our lives to do extraordinary things. And that's what we're talking about today on Life Uncloseted. My name is Rick Clemens. I'm the host of Life Uncloseted. And we tell stories about everybody coming out of the closets of their lives. We make sure that everybody learns how to dump their excuses, face their fears, and truly live their unapologetic lives. And I love the idea that sometimes you step into something and you're like, I don't know where this is going. I'm not sure what we're going to be. I don't know how I'm going to show up in the world. And then one day a book comes out and then suddenly people start to know your name because it's tied to the book. And today's guest, his name is Benji Carr, and he is about to just explode onto the scene with the book, or at least we hope that. And um, that's always the fun. And I've heard he's really fun. We don't hardly know each other. That's what I love about these interviews is sometimes I get somebody I don't really know anything about him and we see where things go. He is a journalist. He has done some amazing things in the theater world. And he's got a book coming out. Yes, I said, I said it over and over again because his publicist said, make sure you make him talk about his book. But I want to get to know Benji better. And I want to get to know why he's like allowed himself to just accept that he's flawed and complicated in who he is. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to say welcome to the show, Benji. I'm so glad to have a fellow southerner here on the show with me today he didn't know that i was a southerner either but um he's gonna hear the y'all start coming out and then here we go so welcome buddy glad to have you here i'm glad to be here i knew you were southern i heard i heard previous um recordings of it and i noticed your voice yes every once in a while and if you give me a little bit of mint julep or some bourbon and that southern boy he just comes roaring out so um but um Really excited to be having this conversation with you, my friend. And hey, first of all, congrats on the book. I've been through it. It's like, oh my gosh, will this thing ever give birth? And as a man, I'm like, okay, this must be what it feels like to give birth. But um, anyway, congrats on the book. Thank you so much. Let's talk about a little bit about, you know, your life first before we dive into the book. And by the way, folks, the book is called Impacted. We'll get to that because I think that we will build up to like the importance of that. But um you just have had like one of those lives where you're like, okay, I'm doing all these different things, but being a gay man yourself, you've had those flaws and complications you've had to deal with. So what was it like for you 
in your world coming out of the closet and to be who you really were? I still don't know if I am who I'm supposed to be. Yay! But, um, <laughs> to get to where I am now, I had to fail a lot. Try, struggle, um, and fail a lot. And it's fun looking back at it so that it looks like you like traveled in a straight line, but really you're just like a tumbleweed accumulating experiences as you go through your day-to-day existence. Um, I was born um, with complications. And so as a result, um, when I came out to my mother, um, one of the like four times that I came out to my mother, um, I'm serious. Um, she told me that one of the reasons that she was worried about me being a homosexual was because she didn't okay, want so me to Okay, so he just admitted have... he is a homosexual. There we got it. He actually said the words. So there we go. Oh, yeah. I could show you things. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, no, but... Um, she was worried that I was going to have a complicated life. That's what she said. She's like, she mm-hmm. didn't want my life to be difficult. And I was like, mom, I was born with cerebral palsy. Like, ain't nothing never been difficult. Yeah, this is exactly this is like, and it doesn't stop things from being difficult anyway. Right. It's just like, and so when I came out to her, like one of the times that I came out to her that was probably the most effective was when I said to her, um, and I'm trying to remember this accurately, I'm like, I don't know why what's happened has happened to me. I I don't know why I was given this to address or deal with. Um, All I know is that I have a choice. All I know is the only choice that I have is whether or not to be honest about it. Mm. Like, like, God gives you struggles or issues or challenges. I mean, yep. if you believe in God. And so um, I don't know why we were in the situation we were in. All I know is that once faced with it, we had to deal with it or ignore it. Right. And it seemed like I was going to get a lot closer to where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be. If I just stopped being scared and telling the truth. Now, when I was, born i found this out later when i was born um and i had the cerebral palsy and got the diagnosis my um mother apparently was told by my grandmother just to keep it secret so that no one would treat me differently even though i had a limp uh that i didn't crawl as quickly as the other kids did and my mother contrary to perhaps her intention uh, gave me the best advice of my um, life, which was that the situation, it just is. Hmm. There's only what we have and what we deal with. My mother uh, was deaf from the time she was in the sixth grade. Um, the best thing to do is to fess up, say what your situation is and ask for help when you need it. Um, And as other aspects of my life have gone on from there, Mm -hmm. that's the approach that I take. But it's such a powerful approach, Benji, because honestly, 
what's the point of not just fessing up to be who you are? And I realize that is scary. I mean, we're talking about, you know, here on a show where people come out of closets and all this sort of stuff and being who you are can be a very scary thing, but there never is really any getting around it. And, you know, you with your cerebral palsy, it's like, I can't hide this no matter how I try. Okay. Maybe, maybe you could, maybe you could have some fabulous drag outfit built to hide everything. But even then the minute you move or anything, there's going to be something that somebody's going to notice. Now, is there something that somebody's going to notice about us as gay men? Maybe not initially, but as people get to know us, there's going to be things that are going to start to come out and, and ways that we have to show up. And I love this, what your mother said. It just is. It just is. It's kind of like, bless your soul. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. And we can't get away yeah. from it. And the more we try to get away from it, the more I believe, the more we actually hurt ourselves. And then we also open the door to let other people hurt us by like hiding who we are. It just, it just takes so much time mm -hmm. to feel safe that I understand reluctance. Um, my own coming out, the reason that it happened three or four times was because I had to uh, come out in a variety of ways. Like um, I sort of tested the waters uh, told my parents that I thought I might be bisexual. My mother said, choose another option. <laughs> and then um, I had been abused as a child. So there was disassociating um, everything that had happened to me with how I felt and who I was attracted to and what I wanted. And whether or not I was gonna be <clears throat> blamed the thing that I was afraid of, I was like 12 or 13 years old and I was afraid that if all of the secrets that I had at 12 or 13 came out, that it wouldn't just destroy my life, it would destroy my entire families. And now here I am at 44, 45, and I'm just talking about it. And that's terrifying. But the other thing that I realized is that I can talk about this stuff now and there will be some 12-year-old, some 13-year-old who's thinking that they're going through abuse at home or secrets that they can't feel comfortable keeping. And they can hear us talking about it. They can find you. And it, make, it it's more important to remove the shame and remove the stigma so that people coming up and generations after us feel less alone. And so that abusers then aren't allowed to perpetuate cycles of shame or force people to keep secrets or allow them to keep going. I mean, it's a whole lot more prevalent than people are willing to talk about. And so that is, and I hope that I haven't jarred you completely by bringing it up. No, no, because I mean, I, I have been through that too. I went through abuse when I was younger and I... Not only, well, different kinds of abuses too. I mean, I went yeah. through mental abuse. I went through sexual abuse. And I, I've said numerous times on this podcast that I hate even calling it sexual abuse. I will, I will use that terminology only because it helps people identify with it. I but understand. I now look at it from the perspective of it all made sense. 
it didn't make sense that that's what happened to me. But the moment I started having those experiences with somebody, I was like, oh, okay, now this makes sense. I, I'm enjoying this with this person and, and I'm enjoying the male body. And oh, wow, now all those weird little feelings that, you know, five, six, seven, whatever I was having up until eight years old, suddenly were validated. And now I'm not validating that that should have happened to me by no stretch of the imagination nor am I validating the, the mental stuff that came for years after that about, oh, you can't be gay and fag and all. I mean, all that stuff, none of that, you know, anybody should ever have to endure. But I'm grateful that I can see it through that lens at this point and advocate for others who are like, okay, you don't have to carry the guilt here. It's nothing you did. It should never have happened to you, but it's not something you did. And I feel like it's an important part of us realizing how flawed and complicated we all are in our own way, but not allowing those flaws and complications to dictate our lives and how we move forward. One thing that I dealt with as a kid coping with it, and I mentioned it before, the difference between understanding that I was a gay man and also understanding that I was an abuse survivor were two separate things that became complicated the more I thought the two, of the two of them together, but they were two separate things. And one helped me understand the other. And I address this in the book. Uh, the character in the book um, is younger, but tries to see himself as more adult than he is. And his life is a mess. Mm-hmm. His life is a thorough mess. He's um, been groomed by by an older abusive man. He uh, has a new baby with his girlfriend from high school. Um, He's living in his mother's basement with the new baby and the girlfriend. Um, And then in the process, attacks his attacker at the very beginning and then proceeds to spend the entire book trying to cover up a murder he thinks that he's committed because it's easier for him to blame himself for everything and to struggle alone all along the way than to confess any of the secrets that he's been keeping or, or, or trying to reach a level of understanding or, or even seeing if there's support available to him. And I, I framed it in a way that's like, just sort of like a fun old like Humphrey Bogart film noir. It's it's set now, but essentially it is a character who's in a situation way over his head, who's scrambling and making terrible choices and terrible decisions and doesn't know how to commit crime and doesn't know what he's doing about it. But at the heart of it, I always describe the book as sort of like a Trojan horse. At the heart of it, there's also the conversations that he needs to have. He needs to come out. He needs to understand exactly that his relationship with his abuser isn't like a love affair, things like that. And there are some very complicated um, conversations that take place over the course of the book. Plus, I think I'm downplaying it. Um, The book's really, really funny. (laughs) 
um, or at least I tried to make it funny, if only because that's the way that I tend to cope in my own life is to mm -hmm. make terrible, terrible jokes. But anyway. Well, but but if we don't make it funny in my book, I mean, you know, it's about me coming out. It's about leaving a marriage, uh, you know, breaking up a family, all this sort of stuff. But there's some humor to this, too. There's the humor of me like, girl, you knew you were this all along, but you just couldn't, you just couldn't handle it. You couldn't put on your big boy panties and walk into it and go this who I, I mean, if I don't take this lighter side to the journey and I'm not like being flippant and I've been accused of that. And I appreciate that. You know, I, I've had people attack me like, but you, you ruined that woman's life. Okay. That's between me and her. That's your view of the world. Appreciate your view of the world. You go have that view of my world that's on you. That's not on me. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. I'm just saying that's how we are as humans. As soon as we see somebody else doing something, it's like, oh, you know, clutch your pearls and off we go, right? But if we don't look at life through a humorous lens, even in the just yuckiest, grossest parts of life, then we can get really stuck and, and we can just not appreciate what we've gone through. I appreciate so much what I went through. And again, not because I think it should have happened to me at a young age. If anything, I feel like that was mine to decide and to be when I chose to come out of the closet. But somebody else made it happen for me. So was I out at seven or eight years old? No, but I was definitely awakened. And then I had to like live in this interesting little space in my head for all those years, trying to come to terms with it. But would I have changed any of that? I don't think so. Because I think it made me so much more the person I am today. And that's sometimes why I'm a sassy bitch. So there we go, you know. Um, but I appreciate where you're going with this. Because if you don't share it, even in the metaphor of this story, and you don't put it out there, what happens then to Benji? What happens to Benji by holding his ideas and his thoughts and his stories and his brilliance in? Well, if you'll pardon me for a second, I, I first want to address what you just said as, an, as a person and a fellow survivor. I want you to know that I hear what you're saying and how, how difficult that must have been. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. You are not alone. Yep. Beyond that, also... And I was just talking about this a couple of days ago. Um, there is the trauma yes. that we all go through and that we all face. There's trauma that is unique to each of us. And eventually there is the sense beyond what someone else did to me and just becomes like something I carry around in my metaphorical backpack as a way of dealing with the world. It affects how I am intimate with someone. It affects um, trust in general, the ways in which we have friendships, the walls that we build up around ourselves. I am not responsible for the things that someone else did to me, but I am responsible for how I choose to open myself up to a world that I know could potentially destroy me. And oddly enough, humor disarms us. Mm -hmm. yep. It 
catches us off guard. It makes it easier. It makes it easier to open up to people who might listen to us. It makes it possible then for for us to have real conversations and um, deeply emotional, difficult mm-hmm. conversations. And I've had to have those like the majority of my life, like walking around with a limp all the time, trying to be a journalist, taking typing classes when my fingers occasionally all move together, mm-hmm. having to ask a teacher, like, can you help me with this? All of these things, they could have shut me down, but they didn't because there was shit that I wanted to do. There was a life that I wanted to lead. And so I don't think that I'm brave or heroic or I, I, like, I don't think that of disabled people. I, I don't think that necessarily survivors, like life occurs only one way. You have to live it. And <laughs> it didn't occur to me that, that giving up was anything that I ever wanted to do. Cause it isn't. No, giving up isn't, isn't, I mean, I guess I know there are people that are, but it isn't. And if we give up and we don't let, let ourselves move forward and we don't have find the humor in this and the, and the joy and the happiness in it, then not to, you know, throw a pun in here, but then that's when we're impacted. We are deeply mm-hmm. impacted like a sore tooth. And exactly. I think this is, this is part of why, yes, I'm not going to, I don't think you or I, especially you with your cerebral palsy on top of, you know, being a marginalized person in the gay community as well. I don't think either of us would tell anybody like, okay, this is going to be a cakewalk. Even the best of scenarios, it's still not easy. However, holding it in, and I I say this to clients that I coach all the time, holding in your truth is more painful than living your truth. And I don't know that a lot of people get that because of the fear. I appreciate that. I can't do take. I can't do cakewalks because I tip over. <laughs> but that's just the way in which I. <laughs> no, it's but um, sorry. Yeah, uh, I love that, but it's true. I mean, well, it's the thing is, is what's the worst? Okay, and I don't want to make light of this again, but what, like, honestly, what's the worst that's going to happen? Maybe some people won't accept you. Okay, well then they don't deserve to go on the cakewalk with you. Then you know. And, and I wish people would embrace parts of that. Yes. We want certain people. And sometimes I think we, we push ourselves into these interesting spaces where it's like, we want this to happen. We want this to happen. We want this to happen. And we're trying so hard to make it happen and get everybody to love us. And instead of going, Hey, let's embrace those who love us right now. And if the rest of them haven't caught up to that yet, that's okay. Hopefully they'll get there. But if they don't, there's going to be others that show up and move into that space to be with us. Are you speaking of daring to be yourself or are you speaking of um, risks that could potentially be dangerous? More more daring to be yourself. I mean, sometimes it's risks that could be a little dangerous, but those all come in different ways and shapes as well. No, the reason I asked that was because you, you said, what's the worst that can happen? And we know from experience that what's the worst that can happen of coming out to the wrong person at the wrong time is that you can be put in serious danger. And, um, and that, but, but at the same time, people find their tribes. Yes. 
and they find their safety and hopefully your um, chosen family is there for you even if you're even if your um, biological family isn't hopefully your biological family is mm-hmm. I'm grateful that mine was I want it to be known for the most part that um, that when you are safe that is when you should dare to come out that is when you should dare to know and admit and celebrate who you are I think it's really important to, to truly celebrate who you are in your way and really be, be that for yourself. I mean, the hardest thing I, I know for me and many people I've talked to and many people I've coached through this process, celebrating being who you are for you is the first step. Yes, you're going to battle wanting others to embrace you and being accepted in the community and just let it all go. Start, you know, yada, 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 yada. But if you can accept you for who you are and celebrate who you are in those moments when it's hardest to do that, it was going to be the stuff that carries you through. And that's the biggest piece of the puzzle is learning what are the things that are going to most going to carry you through some of the toughest pieces. So with the book, you wrote this beautiful book, funny, poignant, all the stuff that, you know, everything's going to say on every, you know, hopefully every review that you get. What was in it for you besides just doing what you love to do? What is it you really wanted from this book? When I started writing it, I thought I was writing a story, just a story. Um, and I was going to write just this crime story about a woman who who's having an affair with her dentist and kills her dentist. And then I realized I don't know that person. I can't write from the point of view of that person. What I know what it's like to be is to be a gay man. And I also know what it's like to have secrets. And so then it became like, it became easier to write as I started to write about this, essentially he's a kid Mm -hmm. and, and he's weathered entirely too much at entirely a young age. And I then started to ask myself like, well, if I committed a murder, would I leave my cell phone at the scene of the crime by accident because Mm -hmm. it's on the charger and I completely forgot that it was there? Um, What would happen if someone starts to flirt with me while I'm trying to flee a crime scene? I have no idea. And I just became like, I tried to tap into my inner childhood dumbass, and it, it really kind of worked. Eventually it became cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger. And I didn't realize when I was writing it that like anyone else would be interested, that a publisher might pick it up and put it out into the world. Like sometimes I was just writing at three or four in the morning at Dunkin' Donuts. And the only, like the best thing that would come out of the book that day would be some guy came into a Dunkin' Donuts and hit hit on me at four a.m. But, but life you know, surprises us. Well, life does surprise us. And well, good for you getting hit on at 4 a.m. and a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, but, uh, I know. It's weird to discover what my favorite flavor holes from Dunkin' Donuts are. <laughs> but, sorry. <laughs> oh, the publicist is going to love me. Oh, God. I love you. I love, I mean, if we don't have, <laughs> find, if we don't find the fun in this stuff, that's the thing. And it's like, 
it's it's about finding the joy in the things and the little things and you know yes i wouldn't have left my damn cell phone at the scene of a crime well i don't think i would i don't know maybe if i was really cocktailed possibly but you know it's just it's so interesting when we discover these little moments i mean there was a moment when i was in the midst of writing my book and and i'm like i don't want to do this and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about rick you're, you're like less than two chapters away from being done but i had to have that moment with myself not like in a sexual way, boys and girls. No, I think I, had, I kind of understand. Yeah, I had to have that moment with myself to realize, okay, if you don't want to, nobody's stopping you. Nobody's telling you to go forward either. You can do either way you want to do this. And what I know now was that moment became a very poignant moment that shows up when I do a lot of my talks on stages and stuff too, because that moment was the pause. It was the pause of stepping into that bigger thing and taking that bigger risk. Um, I know exactly what you mean, I think. There, there was a time right before I finished writing the last chapter of my book where I realized, holy fucking shit. Mm -hmm. I have now gone from being someone who's always wanted to do this to someone who's about to fucking do this, shouldn't there be like fireworks or something? Should, shouldn't there be some sort of cataclysm? I have been talking about writing a book for like 35 years. What on earth, after I've done this, mm -hmm. after I hit the end, after I type out the end, what does life even look like then? I'll probably just have to write another one or something like that, or no one will ever look at this and or something like that. So that all the doubts and all of the like, it's funny that you that you referred to the podcast. I, I, I've heard other episodes where you referred to the podcast as like living unapologetically. I apologize collectively like 700 times a day. I am a horribly insecure person who doesn't necessarily know how to like take up space in the world and feel comfortable entirely that I'm taking up someone that, that I'm taking up space. Yeah. And yet at the same time, doesn't stop me. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> And sometimes it's easier to apologize to you than to explain to someone else why they're wrong. Right. Like, but, and, and, and it's one of the weird processes of, of talking about the book is because I feel like sometimes I'm supposed to be this guy who is all happy about everything that's come from this and I'm so certain and that just ain't who I am. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm an imposter walking through and just sort of like, I'm finding it interesting that anyone would even be remotely interested in talking to me. And yet, <laughs> and yet, and yet I find when someone asks me a question, I have an answer. You I do. have something to say. You it's do have something weird. to say. And it, it is, it's so interesting, Benji, because I never, I never would have seen myself doing this podcasting stuff. I was like, when it came up, I'm like, hell no, 
that's not me. I'm a coach. I just want to do my coach thing. And, da, da, da. and then I got some, I didn't really get pressured, but kind of like my friend was like, you would be really good at it. You've got a great voice. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I no, I don't want to do it. Which is interesting because I'm a Leo. So anything that puts me in the spot, like I'm their girl. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. you know, put me out there, worship me, you know? And then suddenly when I realized I do love doing this and no ego, I'm trying to say this with no ego, I'm pretty good at it too. I feel like I'm pretty good at like making my guests feel comfortable. We'd have a conversation. We we get to the points we want to get to. And now, oh my gosh, I, I would do anything to do my podcasts. Now, some of my other stuff, I'm like, hell no, I don't really want to do that. But when it's podcast recording time, oh yes. Oh yes. Let me do that. Let me, let me do this thing that I love, love, love the most. So I'm curious for the book, you kind of said something that was so interesting because I felt the same way. So your final, like that final chapter and you're doing this stuff and you're knowing, you know, the galleys have gone off and now the cover's done and you're starting to see things come together and you get the, you get the sample copies and all that. It does make you feel like, okay, so what the fuck's next? I did this check. Yeah. There has to be a moment where the other shoe drops. Yeah. Like, Things can't be going well. I don't recognize that world. Um, and so, <laughs> and sometimes, no, no, things are just going well. Things, sometimes you end up exactly where you're supposed to be, exactly when you're supposed to be there. Yep. And I don't know where I'm going. Yep. But whenever I let myself be, sometimes I'm fine with where I am. And I'm probably going to have to hear that with my own voice recorded saying it over and over and over again. Well, we can make that happen when we get done. I'll make sure I record that last sentence 25,000 times, record it, send it to you via email so you can listen to it over and over again. So there you go. I would appreciate that. I would appreciate (laughs) that effort. Um, I'm not going to ask that of you. You seem like a very busy man. But <laughs> but, it, but it is funny. We have to hear this stuff, you know, and there are times that I, somebody sent me a message just this morning and said, I just want you to know, I listen to your, both your podcasts and I, I, I don't miss them. I'm like, why? <laughs> don't you have something better to do with your life than listen to me? And then I have to like take that in and be very grateful. So whoever's listening, yes, I, I got your email. I love that you sent that to me. And, and don't take what I just said, like, oh, God, he is an asshole. I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I'm trying to make a point here of sometimes we have to embrace the stuff that the universe is trying to send us. Sometimes it's hard to accept um, things that are affirming. Yep. It reminds me of that line from Pretty Woman where where Vivian, um, Julia Roberts is talking about how she carries around all of the insults that she's ever heard in her entire life. And so Richard Gere then tries to compliment her and she goes, the bad stuff's easier to believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, and- why do you think that is Benji? I mean, I, I, I will give my perspective, but why is it that the bad stuff is just easier to believe? I don't, I wish it's almost like it's the human nut, not that every human has nuts, but the human nut to crack because we can, you know, if I ask a client when I'm working with a client say, okay, well, tell me what you love about myself or yourself. I get silence. 
Well, tell me what you don't like about yourself. They start going right then and there. They can tell me everything they don't like. Well, it's because life is filled with challenges that we either put on ourselves or are given to us every single day. And there's always stuff left to do. So we always feel like we're making a mistake or we always feel like we're responsible for something or we always feel like everything is our fault. Mm-hmm. I can tell you all the things that I should have done differently than the way that I did them. And I will never admit that, that I did anything perfectly that doesn't need any sort of touch up. Yep. Like that's the thing you receive the galleys for your book. One of the first things you do is you look through it, make sure there aren't any typos that you missed the first 400 times you looked right. at it and you inevitably will find one because there's always more to be done. But whereas, you know, coming at it from a point of view of like, I did everything really great. And if anyone else notices that something else might not be okay, then like nobody likes that person like no nobody likes the arrogant like confident like the line from rupaul's drag like the line from rupaul's drag race i think rita rudder said it was something like nobody wants to hear about happy people doing well like in a comedy routine right nobody wants to hear about that that's like everyone can relate to struggle and insecurity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which keeps which keeps us all very busy exactly so what are you most excited about about getting this book out in the world the thing that i think i would appreciate the most is the thing that i'm scared won't happen mm. which is i want and i may never even hear about it i want some kid somewhere to have accidentally stumbled upon this book with the teeth on it. Mm-hmm. Like we made it small and paperback so that it'd be easier to access and easier to get. I want someone to read about being a 17 year old struggling with their sexuality, struggling with abuse and trying to figure out how to survive. I want it to resonate with that kid so that they know that they aren't alone. I'm writing that book, or I wrote that book essentially, and I didn't know I was doing it at the time. I wrote that book for a 13 year old like I was. And it's not a book for kids either. It's like an adult book, but you know. You never know, I know the impact. I know, I, I like the pun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm listening, I'm listening. What scares you the most about if it doesn't, have the impact what scares me the most is that um what scares me the most is the potential like lolita fallout where where people who are bothered by discussions of 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 sexuality and abuse think that this is somehow an endorsement rather than a reflection Mm-hmm. What scares me the most is that people are going to say, you shouldn't have written about that. We like, like that's going to cause problems mm-hmm. rather than, rather than reflect the world as it is. The, it reminds me a couple of years ago, Dakota Fanning was in this movie called Hound Dog 
where like she was 13 years old and she gets sexually assaulted. Right. And the actress, when people found out that this movie was being made, everyone was up in arms and just outraged that, 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 that Hollywood or a business would put a girl through that. Mm-hmm. And Dakota Fanning's response, she was like 13, 14 at the time. She's like, why don't people get that upset about these things that actually happen to people every single day? I was completely safe on that movie set. I was fine. I was under supervision perpetually. No one exploited me. I was, I, I, I was safe. Right. But people would much rather hear... Well, people would much rather criticize depictions of things we ought to be discussing than to actually have the discussions we need to be having. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that they're just going to demonize me, but I can't control that. No, we, we can't control. We can't, we can't control what, what other people are going to think or what other people are going to do. And I, 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 and that's why I asked the question, because I went through the same thing and it's such an interesting space to play in when you're like, okay, I remember the minute the book was going into print and I'm like, people are going to hate me. I'm scared. And yet what I'm doing is more important than being afraid. Mm -hmm. Or at least I believe that on some fundamental level that hasn't stopped me from continuing to have audacity. Right. I love that. What you're doing is more important than you being afraid. That's such a powerful statement to put out there. And And it's not easy. No, but if you, if we think about the bigger, you know, journey of coming out, what, what you're doing by coming out is more important than what you're going to do by being staying there and being afraid. The good things to do and the right things to do aren't always the easiest things to do. Yeah. Otherwise, Otherwise, they wouldn't be difficult. They, that's, I messed up my own metaphor there. Oh, that's shit. okay. That's okay. <laughs> Metaphors are meant to be messed up. So, so the book is called Impacted. Impacted, just like your impacted teeth, folks. And it has a yes. big old red background with teeth on the front, right? Yes, it does. Yep. It's blue with um, red lips and yep. white teeth. Uh, not to be confused with this other book that came out called With Teeth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a different book. Um, buy both of them. Um, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get but, a good deal. You know, you never know. Yes. So all all dental related. Exactly. Fiction. Exactly. So well, I am so glad I got to meet you and talk to you and have this conversation, and get to get to experience you as you are. And, um, you can get Benji's book. Most places where books are sold, we'll go into that announcer voice. Now you can get it on Amazon and I'm sure you can get it Barnes Noble, anywhere that you can find books. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon and, um, I hope everybody picks it up. I can't wait to get the chance to read it myself and, and just dive in. And now I'm very curious too, having, heard everything I've heard and learned from you, you know, firsthand, Benji, I I can't wait to read. I always love a great novel and um, would love to support you. And anybody who's listening, who would love to get a copy 
uh, Benji's book. If you email me at rick at rickclemens.com, I will be giving away two copies of the book to the first two people that email me their name and say, I want Benji's book. So I will be glad to share the love and that way, hopefully get some people to read it and give you some reviews because reviews are always so important. So anything else you want to leave us with, sir? Anything? You were absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. Oh, of um, course. Of course. Like, this is all very new to me. And, and I, 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 I really just appreciate being here and what you do for others. Well, and thank you for doing what you're doing. I know you have lots of impact in everything you do. And, and again, no pun intended there, but I think it's such a great, you, you can play with this so much at this point. You can use impacted and impact and all these great things, Benji. And I want you to just keep going out there and impact the world with your message, your stories, and just being you. So thanks again, buddy, for being here. I so appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change your life. In fact, if you really want to change your life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.